Between aging and busy lifestyles, many women struggle with maintaining their physical and mental wellness. At Aquavita Concierge Healthcare Services for Women, we can help you revitalize your health and reclaim your life. We start from within by balancing your hormones, allowing your body to achieve and maintain desired weight goals. We also specialize in peptide therapies, regenerative medicine, sexual health, and aesthetics in our state-of-the-art facilities. Feel better, look better, live better. At Aquavita, visit aquavitality.com and begin your journey today. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Kidding, we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country with through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. You're out of order! You're out of order! The whole trial is out of order! You have meddled with the primal forces of nature! Good afternoon, and welcome to the Richard Serrett Show. Well, the uh, ducks are outdoors, thank God. Well, they're in the garage uh, for now until we can get their duck coop finished in the backyard. I uh, This morning, I uh, repurposed the boards from our outdoor hockey rink, and I made them a nice enclosure in the garage. It's about six feet by six feet. Lined the floor with cardboard and wood chips, and uh, so now they're safe and they have more room to move around. Uh, but best of all, it doesn't smell like a barn down here. Good Lord, it was becoming overwhelming. Couldn't be healthy. What stinks like uh, rancid roadkill, however, is the absolute contempt our ruling elite have for us, you and me, the taxpayers. They call us the great unwashed. We're the rabble. And uh, as I've stated on numerous occasions, the corruption and waste that is exhibited by elected and appointed government officials is part of a demoralization campaign. I truly believe this. Witness the, uh, the latest profligacy of our Governor General, Mary Simon. This past summer... Of course, it came to, uh, to light that she had spent $71,000 during a four-day visit to Iceland for a limousine service. That was back in the fall of 2022. She went to Iceland in October. Four days, $71,000 for a limousine service. I mean, nobody's suggesting that the governor general should be hitchhiking her way from gala to gala, but she could have purchased a brand new luxury BMW and left it on the side of the road in Reykjavik and saved the taxpayer about $13,000. A 2023 BMW i4 Drive 35 costs about $58,000. Do the math. She was staying at a hotel about a seven-minute car ride to the Harpa Conference Hall in Reykjavik. 
So a four-day limo service, and the GG spent more on limos than most Canadians earn in a year and a half. Now comes word. Here's the latest. Now comes word, the Governor General, and it's not just Mary Simon. We also have to include that lunatic who preceded her, Julie Payette. Remember her, the space cadet? I mean, she was actually a space cadet, an astronaut. Also a bully and a narcissist. Why wouldn't she be? She was appointed by another narcissist. They tend to hang together. So Payette and Simon combined, since 2018, spent, are you ready for this? $117,000 on dry cleaning. Dry cleaning. I mean, the governor general already has in-house staff on the payroll to do the laundry. That's their job, the laundry. So above and beyond that, since 2018, $117,000 spent on dry cleaning. Again, this goes back to 2018. So if you break it down, her dry cleaning bill or the Governor General's dry cleaning bill is about $1,800 a month. And I'm reading this story from our friends at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. It's in their newsroom at taxpayer.com. They did the math. $117,000 over five years. That's enough to dry clean 13,831 blouses, 6,024 dresses, or nearly 4,000 duvets. This is according to the latest prices at Majestic Dry Cleaners in Ottawa. And this information was released in response to an order paper from Conservative MP Kelly McCauley. Now recall that back in May, the National Post revealed that current Governor General Mary Simon and her predecessor Julie Payette combined to bill taxpayers for more than $88,000 in clothing purchases since 2017. I guess we should be grateful. They saved some money because the Governor General can expense up to $130,000 on clothing over their five-year mandate. $130,000. Who spends $130,000 on clothing in five years? On top of this, the Governor General makes an annual salary of $351,000. And she has a six-figure expense, uh, six expense account for new clothes. And on top of this, Mary Simon received almost a $50,000 pay raise since the beginning of the COVID pandemic. All this... While couples with full-time jobs are relying on food, food banks in this country to feed their families. You see, they're rubbing our nose in it. They're telling us, I don't give a flying you-know-what about you. I rule over you. I'm going to live like royalty and there is nothing you can do about it. So sit down and shut up, subject because I'm off to 
I don't know, Liechtenstein on a private jet with my entourage where, where we'll eat uh, Kobe beef and beluga caviar and um, uh, black truffle brie cheese. And we'll drink Bollinger La Cote aux Enfants champagne. And we'll stay in a $4,000 a night hotel suite and take limos everywhere for some totally useless gala or event that will not benefit the taxpayer in the slightest. Feeling demoralized yet? No? Well, don't worry. It's only Tuesday. Now, here's some great news. The uh, organizers of the One Million March for Children, I believe this was primarily a, um, a Muslim group called Keep your hands off our kids. It looks like they're uh, and this uh, the Million um, March for Children. If you don't know, took place across Canada. I think on September twentieth, in about a hundred cities from coast to coast. And anyway, they're planning a second event to protest the uh, evil and abusive sexualization of children and the odious indoctrination of our children in the public school system. So this second nationwide event is slated to take place on October the 21st. Mark it on your calendar. And if you can participate, please do. Because I hope it's even bigger and louder than the first one. In fact, I hope the march becomes a monthly event. Every month. Every single month. I hope Muslims and Sikhs and Hindus and Christians and Jews and agnostics and atheists will band together and march in Hundreds of cities across Canada. Every month. Until these wackos get the message. Keep your hands off our kids. And of course, naturally, the the crazy Marxist unions will condemn these parents who are marching as white supremacists, even though many of the marchers are brown. And the liberals and the NDP will call them religious fanatics. That is until it's time for them to court the Muslim vote in 2025. And predictably, of course, the anti-hate network will label them as far-right conspiracy theorists and Christian nationalists. Christian nationalists. What is a Christian nationalist, by the way? A Christian who loves Canada? Can you be a Muslim nationalist, a Jewish nationalist? I guess I'm a Christian nationalist. I'm a Christian. I love this country. I hate what the liberals are doing, what the left are doing to this country, but I love this country and I'm a Christian. So I'm a Christian nationalist. A Christian who loves this country is a force for good. We need more Christian nationalists, not fewer. Cheryl Chumley is a, a columnist, columnist with the Washington Times, and her latest column is titled Christian Nationalists to the Rescue. America needs godly patriots. So too does Canada. And Chumley writes, leftists over the last few years have corrupted the term Christian nationalist to make it seem a negative, a term to describe racists, misogynists, intolerance and haters but it's really the foundation of American exceptionalism. 
What America needs are more Christian nationalists, not fewer. Everything that you do as a human being as an, and as an American is based in the scripture, said Pastor Jack Hibbs of Cavalry Chapel, Chino Hills in California at the recent Family Research Council's Pray, Vote, Stand Summit in Washington. That's because America was founded largely on biblical truths and Judeo-Christian teachings. Leftists hate that because they want to continue to live without boundaries and rules. They want to keep pretending boys can be girls and that abortion is not murder and that parroting, uh, parading butt-shaking drag queens before little first graders is not the sexual grooming of children. They want to live wickedly and destroy anyone who dares call out their wickedness. But their railings and wailings and attacks and vicious rhetoric do not erase the fact America was indeed founded largely on Judeo-Christian, nay, outright Christian principles. Cheryl Chumley will be uh, joining me in hour two. She's our feature interview today from the Washington Times. Chris Sims from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation will be here in hour two as well with more on the online streaming act and Trudeau's attempt to regulate podcasters and YouTubers. This hour, the astro geo guy, Chris Vaughn, will be here with a look at this week's night sky. Lots going on in the night sky. Open lines this hour as well, and you can start calling right now at 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. But first, a lawyer representing 130 soldiers who have filed a class action lawsuit against the Canadian Armed Forces for the horrible coercion and bullying they received during the COVID pandemic. Catherine Christensen is next. The Richard Sarrett Show, off and running for Tuesday, October 3rd, in the year of our Lord, 2023. Good Lord, I might be a Christian nationalist. Facta non verba. We're back as the Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. A class action lawsuit by 130 former and serving military members paints a grim picture of treatment endured during the Canadian Armed Forces mandatory COVID-19 vaccine crackdown. The plaintiffs are represented by lawyer Catherine, uh, Catherine Christensen, and Catherine joins us now. Hey, Catherine, how are you? I'm good, thank you. So what are the allegations? Well, uh, we've got a whole bunch, and there's actually two lawsuits for the same thing. Uh, there was one filed in June with 330 members of the forces or veterans now. Uh, and basically, we are bringing an abuse of power lawsuit against the Canadian Armed Forces. Uh, I've been watching them for a while, and uh, when they brought in the mandate, they did a lot of stuff to their pe- own people after they brought them in in October 2021, and our lawsuit is holding them to account for some of the things that have done to these, their own people. So the the second lawsuit, the more recent one of 130 former uh, plaintiffs, and mm-hmm. are some of those also being represented? Are they the same in the initial uh, $500 million lawsuit? No, they're, so they're two different. separate lawsuits, uh, but they're for the same thing, just different right. plaintiffs. Got because it. it's right. not a class action, it's actually a mass tort. So the people who are named as plaintiffs are the ones that will benefit from it. There won't be a class action settlement that was other people could apply for. 
after. Ah, I see. So, okay. So in total, we're, we're looking at four of uh, 460 uh, yes. former and serving CAF members who suffered uh, some type of either abuse or vaccine vaccine injury or were forced out of their job or were bullied and coerced and so forth. That's kind of the, the catch all here, right? Really? Yeah. I mean, it, it went to the extreme of some commanding officers doing uh, physical torture on their own troops. Uh, which, physical torture? Yeah. Now, I have a problem with that because if uh, this major was willing to do this to one of her own people, what would she do to a prisoner of war? Because if she did it to a prisoner of war, she'd be in the Hague for a war crime. So they uh, made him stand outside um, in the bitter cold uh, in Quebec from uh, December to February until he couldn't handle it anymore physically and psychologically. And he left. Uh, They pushed him out. He'd lost tens of pounds of weight and uh, was psychologically broken. So not only was he forced to stand outside in the cold all day, but uh, he was also placed in a spot where his fellow uh, members would go past him and taunt him and make fun of him. They'd give him tasks to do outside so they could taunt him through the window, tell him how stupid he was. They posted pictures of him on social media saying what an idiot he was, uh, this sort of thing. So, uh, Because yeah. he refused the vaccine? Yes, now, I don't know about you, but if I was in the trenches, that's the kid I'd want with me because he wasn't given up for his 100%, beliefs. 100%. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had no idea that that was going on. So yeah. um, who are uh, are you listing specific um, CAF staff? Um, so, yes, yeah, we have actually named uh, Chief of Defense Staff Wayne Eyre. Uh, we have also named the head of the Royal Canadian Navy. We've named the head of the Royal Canadian Air Force. We've named the head of the uh, Army, Army, Navy, and uh, yeah, Air all Force. those ones. Those ones. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I had a brain Not blank brass. there. Uh, That's all right. Top brass. Plus, uh, we have brought in the uh, Judge Advocate General uh, for the legal advice that they provided. We brought in the Chaplain General. Uh, apparently, there's only 25 approved religions in the Canadian Armed Forces, according to the Chaplain General. I can't wait to ask him about that. Uh, the Surgeon General, because he provided advice to the Chief of Defence Staff that said that this was not safe or, or effective, uh, but he still followed the orders. So, and his there's some big privacy breaches dealing with the medical branch. Uh, on top of releasing vaccination status in one way, there's also some huge privacy breaches. So we're holding their feet to the fire. Uh, the first lawsuit also names uh, Rutland. He's now a general. He was the commanding officer of the base here in Edmonton, and he did some interesting stuff as well. The second lawsuit names the uh, head of the Special Forces Command, because some of the stuff that they did to our Special Forces people is pretty brutal. Uh, in the in the most recent um, suit uh, by 130, 40, uh, 130 former and serving military members, what are what what are they seeking, or what are you seeking in damages? So the main crux to the damages, they're asking for a million dollars. Then there's each, yes, and then there's uh, another claim for three hundred and sixty thousand dollars each, uh, and then as well, there's. Uh, other damages we've asked for, such as punitive damages, uh, kind of a punishment damages, et cetera. So we're looking at that one is probably around 250 million 
on top of the 500 million estimate for the first one. The 500 million, that's for the vaccine uh, injury lawsuit. Uh, no, that's going to be a separate one that's coming here next year. <laughs> oh. uh, this is just this is mainly just concerned with the mandate and how it was carried out by the chain of command. Got it. Uh, All right. Now, the vaccine injury one is coming, but would they have to go through the uh, Veterans Affairs Canada process first? Uh, it's kind of a little quirk. Uh, and they're being rejected. They're being told that vaccine injuries are not service related. And I beg to differ on that. If you've been ordered to take something and you're injured from it, that's service related. So Precisely. We'll, get, we'll get to settle that just to that little argument as well in the court. Catherine, we're going to take a quick time. I will come back and, and talk further if you can, uh, if you can hang out a little bit longer. Catherine Christensen is the owner and founder of Valor Law. She's representing uh, 130 former Platon, uh, former and ser- um, sorry, former and uh, serving military members with a CAF and also an additional 330 CAF members uh, in another lawsuit. We'll uh, get back to more of our conversation right after these. The Richard Sarah Show right here on News Talk Saga 960. Let's get back at it on News Talk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Sarah Show. Welcome back. Catherine Christensen is with us from Valor Law in Alberta, and she's representing, well, in the most recent uh, lawsuit, she's representing 130 former and serving military members in the Canadian Armed Forces. And um, according to the recent statement of claim, members who served honorably but objected to taking an experimental drug were harassed, isolated, punished, tortured, faced threats of jail, being blacklisted to never work again, or having pensions forfeited. They were mocked by peers, bullied by superiors. Many suffered injuries from the vaccine declared mandatory in October of 2021. Uh, Catherine, um, I I, I know there's 130 uh, people in this suit and, and 330 in the others, a lot of people to keep track of, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but can you share with us maybe some specific examples of some of these fine people that um, suffered uh, serious injury as a result of the vaccine. Give us some examples. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we've got, uh, I've got one young man that we are preparing his affidavit uh, and making arrangements for his wife to continue in his place for the lawsuit because he doesn't expect to survive long enough to see the end of this lawsuit. Uh, he was a very healthy vehicle technician. He had contraindications to taking the uh, injections and was forced to take them to save his career. And uh, his career is now over and his life is extremely shortened. Uh, he is not likely to uh, survive to see what the end of this lawsuit is. Uh, and it's heartbreaking to talk to someone like that. Absolutely. Uh, what was the nature of his uh, of his injury? Are we talking about blood clots or myocarditis? Or uh, We've got some myocarditis and there's also uh, severe intestinal issues. There's neurological issues. We're seeing everything. And some of our hardest hit have been our special forces, our uh, search and rescue people, our pilots, people that were that are very fit. Like we're talking the elite of our military were probably the hardest hit. I've got one... Um, gentleman who was supposed to be an officer in special forces that has to take a warm bath for an hour in order to just be able to show up for work every day. 
because he's in so much pain and so and it's like being physically tortured by his own body uh so uh this is we're talking about someone who is at the peak of physical condition that's one some of them um i had pregnant women that were uh pressured to get the vaccine had blood clots which can kill a pregnant woman and her baby and they were being pressured to take a second injection before they went on maternity leave now they're supposed to be left alone on maternity leave one was even forced to sign a document that said that when she came back from her maternity leave she would take the second injection even though the second injection would take place after the last directive came out. Now, that's the other thing that needs to be clear is our military did not have their mandate removed. It is still very much in, a, in force. I remember that. So, yes. Yeah. Unconscionable. So, Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So the, she, when she came back from her maternity leave, she was forced to give up her career because she was not going to take a second injection. Um, we had one young man who suffered cardiac arrhythmias after his uh, injections and uh, they basically, his chain of command laughed at him and told him that he was making it up. Uh, we had a special forces soldier give his, sec, give his second injection while in the field. Now, <laughs> if you're special forces and you're in the field, that's a serious situation. And his uh, fellow team members had to get him out because of cardiac arrhythmias that uh, happened to him by being vaccinated in the field. We had another uh, woman who took the third one so she could deploy a booster. And after she got to the theater of operations, she had an aortic dissection. So her aorta basically shredded and she was, had been perfectly health, perfectly healthy. Now that's not where you want to have your aorta shred is it while you're deployed overseas. Do you have, Um, you have medical um, people? um, I don't know. uh, science science people lined up to testify that yes. that these injuries were caused by the vaccine. Uh, we are working on that, yes, uh, to make sure that we have that covered. Uh, we, but the, my best uh, person for providing evidence that it's not safe and effective is going to be the Surgeon General himself, because I have it in writing from his department that these. Vaccines were not safe nor effective. And the chief of defense staff was informed of that in a briefing note that I have. So they knew. They knew that it was not uh, a safe thing to do. Certainly General Vance, uh, when he was told that he would get 100% vaccination rate, uh, was concerned that because the only option at that time that the military were given was Moderna. And he said, what if there's something wrong with this? You're going to completely destroy my military. Uh, so he said no, and then he was removed on allegations of sexual misconduct. They brought in Admiral McDonald, and I have his briefing note where they said, you can't mandate this for legal reasons, medical reasons, ethics, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so he said no. He was char- he was char- uh, There were sexual misconduct allegations for him, and he was removed. General Fortune was in charge of the civilian rollout. Uh, he said no to a mandate for the civilian population. He was charged with sexual misconduct, and he has been cleared. And then General Cadu wrote a briefing note for General Eyre that said, you can't do this. And uh, then General Cadu was accused of sexual misconduct allegation, which interesting. he is fighting. And you know, as you know, recently, yesterday, they withdrew sexual misconduct allegations on yet another general uh, because they didn't actually have evidence to show 
what was going wow, on. This just so, stinks to high heaven. <laughs> I cannot believe you know? this. Catherine, uh, we're out of time, but uh, <laughs> I'd love to have you back on. When when are we um, when is are these cases expected to be heard? So the first case we have got a statement of defense. I have replied to that. We are now in the discovery phase of exchanging documents. The uh, second one that's just been filed last week, the Crown has uh, 20 days. They'll probably ask for a 10-day, 15-day extension. So we're looking at a reply from them in early November. And then I'll reply to that. We move into discovery phase there. I hope your clients get every penny and more that they deserve. Exactly, because it's not just about the money. There's lots. We have 31 things that we ask for uh, because it's not just about the money for my people. It's uh, the principle of the matter. Absolutely. And the fact that they were abused by their chain of command. This is, I think, perhaps one of the most important lawsuits in this country's history. And I hope you are successful uh, and that your plaintiffs get justice. Catherine, thank you so much for this. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure. Catherine Christensen, founder of uh, Valor Law out in Alberta. All right. Open lines when we come back. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. The call-in studio application is now activated. You can call or text 289-275-9600 back with more of the Richard Serrett Show right here on News Talk 960 AM. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. Stick that phone number on your fridge door right next to the um, Family Circus cartoon. Do people still do that? Cut out uh, the cartoon from the daily newspaper? Well, no. Who gets a daily newspaper? (laughs) What am I thinking? Who orders a daily newspaper anymore? And I don't don't even think they uh, they run the... We used to call them the funny papers, remember? Do they even have cartoons in the daily newspaper? Hagar the Horrible. And um, what were some of the others? B.C. by... uh, Was it Jim Hart? The... um, the comic strip BC and Hagar the Horrible. And if there was a particularly funny one, you'd clip it out and stick it on the fridge door for the whole family to enjoy. Do you remember that? No. Okay, fine. Moving along. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. You can call or you can text. And uh, I've got a bit of a backlog of texts here that I want to catch up on here. Um, ah, This is from yesterday. Um, when we were talking about, oh, I was talking to Naomi Wolf about the, um, the documents that she and her team secured through a FOIA, Freedom of Information uh, Act request, and they received a bunch of emails that were unredacted showing a c- email communication back and forth between the White House and the CDC back in May of 2021 And the emails indicate that the White House staff were in a panic 
They were in a panic because of the reports of blood clots, deadly blood clots and myocarditis as a result of the vaccine rollout, the COVID vaccine rollout. And they were in a panic in these email communications with the CDC. And uh, they basically were ordering that they get into crisis management mode and they developed a script. The script was actually redacted, heavily redacted. Um, The script was to be, you know, given to their sock puppets in the mainstream media and uh, other officials uh, on how to handle these reports of blood clots and myocarditis. In other words, to lie. So um, I got a text here regarding that. And they let people die. How do they sleep at night with a clear conscience? Lies ordered by the White House. In other words, the CIA, deep state, big pharma, all murderers. Um, here's another text from, uh, I think this was from yesterday as well. Hi, Richard. Great show. Back to the 2000 Nazis in Canada. 6,000 in the UK. And the many that found their way into the US via the paperclip program. That's right. Operation Paperclip. No one is discussing the elephant in the room. Hitler in Argentina and Uruguay. Uh, you know what? It's I don't discount that uh, Hitler was spirited out of Germany into uh, Argentina. Do you remember that um, series on the History Channel? I think it was Hunting Hitler. Terrific series. They went to South America and all kinds of evidence. Maybe it's circumstantial, but I think a, a case could be made that Hitler survived and went to Argentina anyway. If the no-count Nazis got out, surely the big rodents found their way out. Another lie propagated by the mainstream medium that Hitler committed suicide in the bunker. Believe it or not, it's good to know that he didn't escape his final judgment. All right. Um, 289-275-9600. All right. I guess... Uh, We don't have time for calls (laughs) and we don't have any, but that's all right. We had some great texts there. Thank you for those. Coming up next, our good friend, Chris Vaughn, the Astro Geo guy will be here with a look at the night sky. All the things that you can enjoy in the night sky this coming week with the aid of uh, binoculars or a telescope, or in some cases, just the naked eye back with that conversation right after these, right here on Saga 960. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga 960 AM. Ignition sequence start. Engines on. Five, four, three, one. We have lift up. That's one small step for man. One giant leap for man. It's time to take another look at this week's night sky. Chris Vaughn is the senior astronomer and earth scientist at astrogeo.ca and also the co-author of 110 Things to See with the Telescope and co-host of the YouTube channel, The Insider's Guide to the Galaxy. Hey, Chris, how are you? I am great. I've been seeing lots of sunny skies and starry nights lately. Fantastic. What's that old poem? Starlight, star bright, first star I see tonight. I wish I may, I wish I might have this wish I wish tonight. What's a good star to wish on, Chris? 
Got it. Nailed it. Yeah. So if you're out on a clear evening for the next little while, the first star you're likely to spot in the night sky and make your wish on is Vega. And you'll look for that one nearly at the zenith. So just as the sky is getting a little bit dark after sunset, look look way up high, a whitish star, that's Vega. And then if you look around a little bit, look towards the west, you might spot Arcturus, the star Arcturus, which is almost as bright or about as bright as, as Vega sinking in the west and it's kind of an uh, orange color so vega is white and arcturus is orange because stars at different colors do their do their different temperatures ah all right so you have your choice of stars to wish upon now we we've talked in the past about the summer triangle but we are now into the fall season is the summer triangle still up there and visible well it's up there but it is it visible <laughs> that's right so you know the stars migrate across the sky by about four minutes worth every night and that's all due to the earth's orbit around the sun so something like the summer triangle which first shows up you know late spring early summer it you know makes its migration across the sky a little bit every night and it actually lingers because this because the sun sets so much earlier in the fall it actually lingers into the autumn so it's even though it's a summer triangle it, it stays around for quite a while yet and vega is part of that summer triangle right i was going to say what are the uh, what are the other two stars in the triangle yeah, so once you've done your wishing on Vega, let the star get a little bit, the sky get a little bit darker. And then you can look for um, the stars Deneb and Altair forming a big triangle with Vega, that summer triangle. Don't need binoculars or a telescope to see them. In fact, it's just best just to go out and look up. But if you do have your binoculars handy, here's a neat thing to try. Aim them at Vega, which is the brightest of the three, the first one that came out. And you'll see a neat little double star pairing just above Vega, that's the double star named Epsilon Lyra. Ah, Epsilon Lyra, a double star. All right. Uh, Saturn visible in the night sky this week. Yeah, it's Saturn season. So once the sky gets starts to get dark, maybe 7.30 p.m.-ish, you know, look to the, the southeastern sky, not too high, maybe a third of the way up the sky for a kind of a yellowish or creamy colored dot shining kind of alone in that patch of the sky. That's Saturn. It's there every night spends the rest of the night crossing the sky. Now, if you've got your binoculars handy still, point them at Saturn and see if you can get a hint that it's not round, you know, that's a bit extended because of the rings. But hey, any size telescope will show the rings. You don't need anything fancy to see them. Very cool, very cool. And also Jupiter in the night sky. Uh, and and um, well, wh where do we watch for, the, for, for Jupiter? Yeah, so Jupiter's a couple of hours behind Saturn. So that means that it doesn't really rise above the treetops till after nine o'clock. And then once it does, it spends all night crossing the sky. It's brighter than Saturn, white in color. So it's kind of unmistakable. And uh, it'll be there every night. And if you're an early riser, take a look in the Western sky. It's about you know halfway up the sky or so you'll see Jupiter gleaming in the West, but it's not alone. I can actually turn around, and look the other way and see Venus. So if you're an early riser, you'll catch the even brighter planet Venus. So we've got Saturn and then Jupiter's brighter than Saturn. And then Venus is brighter than Jupiter. Venus is up every morning in the eastern sky. It'll linger for quite a few hours, um, gets up a, a quite a bit before the sun, lingers until almost daybreak. And if you've got your binoculars still, um, aim them at Venus and you can you can determine that Venus is actually only a half moon shape through binoculars. It's kind of cool. Does that mean it's occulted? Um, so any planet or moon that that gets closer to the sun than Earth does, can show phases. So that includes Mercury, Venus, and the moon. All of them can show less than a full disk. So 
right now Venus is about half illuminated. That's the trifecta. Saturn, yeah. Jupiter, and Venus. How often does that happen that all three are visible in the night sky? Uh, quite a bit of the time. Yeah. At times that they'll, you know, once in a while they'll group together in what we call an, a pulse or a conjunction. Uh, right now they're kind of spread apart, but generally speaking, they're, they're all, uh, it's common that they all be up. All right. So tell us about the moon, which is uh, in, in its waning phase. Um, what's it doing this week? Yeah. So you may have noticed that we had the harvest, the big full uh, full moon last weekend, the harvest moon. It was also our last super moon of 2023. Now the moon is waning in phase and rising a little later each night. I watched it come up in the east last night, uh, uh, colored a, a lovely golden or orange mm. color. That's due to the atmospheric dust and smoke that's still lingering around. That moon is going to rise about 45 minutes later with each passing night. So that means by the coming weekend, we'll be back to dark skies and seeing that Milky Way again. If you're up north, it might be a little more visible. What if you're down here uh, in, in Toronto or in the greater Toronto area with all the light pollution? Can you still see the Milky Way? No, that's, a, that's an unfortunate side effect of the, of the exterior lighting and, and that sort of thing, killing the, um, you know, killing the splendor of the Milky Way. But if you are lucky enough to be away from the city lights, you can take a look for it. Now, the, the neat thing about the Milky Way is it actually... Uh, rises in the south, arcs across the sky, right through the summer triangle. So when you're looking at that summer triangle, <laughs> that's where the Milky Way would be if your sky was dark enough to see it. You know, I was in uh, in Greece uh, for most of the summer, and we had, a, a, as you know, a full moon party, and we were out there on the telescope many nights. And really the first time I could really appreciate the Milky Way uh, down in uh, in southern Greece, I'd never really seen it that way before. Yeah, it's a shame that folks nowadays, you know, rarely get the chance to leave the leave the urban environment and get out to the natural night sky. It's um, But it's well worth doing if you ever get a chance. Well, this is really cool. So the Andromeda Galaxy, which is like, is it 2.5 million light years away and it's visible in the night sky with unaided eyes? That's right. So astronomers figure that this Andromeda Galaxy, it's a big spiral galaxy. It's kind of in a, what we call our local group. It's one of our galactic neighbors one of the closest galaxies to us, two and a half million light years away. So the light takes that long to get here from that galaxy. Now in the sky, it's actually as, as it's, a, it's an oval shape. It's six times the width of the full moon in length and twice the full moon's diameter across. So six by two. Um, if you get a dark sky on a moonless night, look in the northwestern, uh, sorry, um, northeastern sky, and look for the Andromeda galaxy as a sort of a fuzzy patch. And it's, yeah, it's one of the farthest things we think human eyeballs can see. And uh, you say you, you could also use the upper half of Cassiopeia's W as an arrow pointing towards it. Where, where do we find Cassiopeia? Yeah, so Cassiopeia is up there, um, sort of two thirds up the southeastern sky in evening. It's kind of sideways, so it's dangling from one end. And it's got a deep V at the top and a shallow V at the bottom, making a W side and the top half of the constellation you know that those three stars make an arrow that points right at the andromeda galaxy and this year you know not every year but this year we can use jupiter to spot it too because the galaxy is about four fist diameters above jupiter if you kind of stretch your arm at arm's length and close one eye and stack four fists that's where you want to sort of gauge, uh, aim your attention or your binoculars to find the andromeda galaxy Fantastic. Going to be a busy week in the night sky. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, well worth getting out. Keep looking up, everyone.
Chris Vaughn, senior astronomer and earth scientist at astrogeo.ca, the co-author of 110 Things to See with a Telescope and co-host of the YouTube channel, The Insider's Guide to the Galaxy. Hour two is uh, just minutes away. Uh, Chris Sims, Alberta director at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, will be here last order of business uh, with more on the dreaded online streaming act, which goes into effect in November, an attempt to regulate podcasters uh, censorship perhaps uh, we may or may not uh, have time for some open lines I'm hoping we might uh, also near the bottom of the hour uh, and also our feature interview today Cheryl Chumley she's a terrific uh, columnist online opinion editor with the Washington Times author writer speaker and uh, she uh, just wrote a great piece on Christian nationalists to the rescue she says America needs and Canada needs godly patriots stay tuned for more of the Richard Serrett show right here on Saga 960 The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Meaning we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country with through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. You're out of order! You're out of order! The whole trial is out of order! You have meddled with the primal forces of nature! And welcome to Hour 2 of the Richard Serrett Show. If you missed Hour 1, you missed a lot, but uh, don't worry too much. Still plenty of great programming coming your way this hour, including Chris Sims, Alberta Director at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, and we'll uh, continue to hammer away at the... uh, Online Streaming Act, the uh, federal regulator, Trudeau's sock puppets on the CRTC, trying to uh, regulate and perhaps censor independent podcasters, uh, independent news, online streamers uh, with this uh, Online Streaming Act, Chris Sims. Uh, We may or may not have some time for uh, open lines, but let me just give you the number just in case. And again, I always encourage you to uh, jot that down and stick it on your fridge door. 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. You can call or you can text 289-275-9600. All right. Casual listeners even to this program know that I am a, uh, an Orthodox Christian. I, uh, I am not shy about announcing that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Uh, And I also happen to love my country. That would make me heaven forfend. 
a Christian nationalist. Uh, I mentioned the uh, Million March for Children. They're going to do it again in uh, this month, October 21st. And of course, the usual radical left unionists and their Antifa thugs labeling parents, Christian, Muslim, Sikh, maybe even some agnostics or two that will be marching against the sexualization and indoctrination of our children in school. They'll be labeling them as far-right extremists, religious fanatics, Christian nationalists, Christian nationalists. We're going to get into that right now. Cheryl Chumley is an online opinion editor with the Washington Times, a commentary writer and host of the Bold and Blunt podcast. Again, for the Washington Times, a frequent media guest, public speaker, the author of several books, the latest titled Lockdown, the Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom and Socialists Don't Sleep. And uh, a great pleasure to welcome back Cheryl Chumley. Hello, Cheryl. How are you? Well, great. Thank you for having me. It's great to be with you. So I want to go back to a piece I guess you wrote near the end of uh, September called Christian Nationalists to the Rescue. America needs godly patriots. And to that, uh, I'll add Canada also needs godly patriots. So let's start with um, how the idea of a Christian who loves his country, in other words, a nationalist, how that became uh, you know, a horrible term. Well, it became a horrible term because Democrats want to push out God from everything public. And in in order to do that, they have to demonize Christians in America and I'm sure in Canada as well. And so one of the ways they demonize Christians is by painting the term Christian nationalist in a negative way. And if you look at what that term means, it's just really the foundation of American exceptionalism, the idea that individual rights come from a creator and government is only there to preserve and protect those God-given rights. Right. And I guess nationalist uh, is also a bad word now, because if you believe if you're a nationalist, that means you believe in borders. Yeah, that's very unpopular in America right now uh, to Democrats who have been busily opening the borders wider than they've ever been open before in America. We have thousands pouring across the borders every day, every week here, and it's really crippling our chance to hold on to those great foundations in America, God-given individualism, because we're letting in people from countries that have governments that are in place to provide for the citizens from cradle to grave. So when people flee those countries and they come to America, they bring that mentality with them when they cross illegally, and they expect our government to do the same as theirs were supposed to have done. That's right. I mean, this idea, like in Canada, I've noticed um, everyone talks about rights, but they think that uh, Health care is a right. Housing is a right. Uh, f- you know, food is a right. Clothing is a right. And everything that are ac- those are, you know, they're not rights. Uh, they're commodities. Uh, and everything they think is a privilege, like mobility, speech, th- those are rights, but they call them privileges. They've got everything backwards. Um, but talk to me about the idea of the importance of, you know, belief in a creator and uh, the creator, God, being responsible for those inalienable rights. 
Well, first and foremost, to believe in a creator and to believe that you are formed in the image of God means that you also believe government has a role of subservience to the people. You don't look to government to provide all in life. You look to God to do that. And you look to government to be in a role of uh, secondary place to just preserve what you already have through a relationship with God. And so if you remove God from the equation of God-given rights, then what you do is you create this void where government steps in and they think it's their rightful role to provide for all. And they're very happy to step into that role because then they get to pick the winners and losers. They get to pick who to elevate and who to depress. And that is just uh, basically a road of socialism slash Marxism slash collectivism, which is the big enemy of freedom. Right. And if if these rights aren't bestowed upon us by God, by a creator, then then they're bestowed on us by by men and women. And then they can be easily taken away, which is important, even if you're an agnostic or an atheist, even if you don't believe in a God, you have to understand the importance uh, of that. Um, when we talk about Judeo-Christian uh, values, Judeo-Christian principles, Can you just maybe talk to me a little bit about what that means? Well, when founders came here, right, when 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 America was founded, when the colonists came, the pilgrims came and so forth, the primary quest in America was for religious freedom. There were other factors involved, but dominating all the uh, the the factors to found this country was the quest for the right to worship freely. And so if you look at how this country has progressed and turned away from that, it has gone hand in hand the less uh, godly we have become as a people, the less church going we have become, the more secular we have become, the more government has grown. And so in order to recapture the idea of individual liberty and God-given liberty, we need to turn back to the churches. We need to have a spiritual awakening in this country. So true. So true. Big governments uh, are responsible for Virtually all, you know, all of the genocides, a uh, hundred million people in the 20th century alone. And these were not, you know, th- these were all perpetrated by big government, whether we're talking about uh, China's Mao or, or the Soviet Union's uh, communist regimes under Stalin and Lenin, all big governments responsible for most of the evil uh, on this earth. Cheryl Chumley is with us, online opinion editor with The Washington Times, author, writer, speaker, and uh, her latest, uh, well, not uh, one of her more recent, is Christian Nationalists to the Rescue, America Needs Godly Patriots. Uh, talk to me uh, something you write about in this column about the Mayflower Compact. Yeah, it's interesting to me that atheists in this country and Democrats who want to remove God from all things public in this in this country always say that founding fathers were not religious, did not believe in God, were deists and wanted a total separation of church and state. And if you go back in time to one of the very first governing documents in America, which was from the Mayflower, the Mayflower Compact, it is it is liberally uh, in, inclusive of of references to God and the creation. And the founding of this nation based on spreading Christian ideals. And so 
yes, you can say that Thomas Jefferson was uh, a, a good deal later in history than the pilgrims. But at the same time, you can't deny that from the very beginning of our of our government structure in this country, religion, religious freedom and the idea of spreading uh, Christianity into a new place in the world was part of our DNA. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, I'd like to touch on uh, what's happening with President Trump down in New York City right now. I know you've uh, talked about that or written about that recently as well. More of The Richard Serrett Show right here on uh, Saga 960. Welcome back to The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Welcome back. Cheryl Chumley stays with us, online opinion editor with the Washington Times and host of the Bold and Blunt podcast for the Times. Uh, I want to switch gears now, Cheryl, and, and talk about what what is happening with um, uh, former President Donald Trump down in New York in the civil trial. Um, you wrote a very uh, a wonderful headline. Trump is one handcuffed photo away from an historic mega win. <laughs> uh, explain what you mean by that. Well, it just seems that the more Trump is indicted, the more Trump is attacked. And now the more Trump is dragged into court, the higher his poll ratings go. And that's largely because Americans have awoken to the fact that this government is indeed politically weaponized against Donald Trump. The deep state is alive and well, and we are seeing ridiculous charges. I think there are something like 92 charges he faces now. It's it's some mind boggling amount. Uh, the, the American public is awakening to the fact that these charges come from a party that is defending the president, who is Trump's main opponent in the election for the White House that he is busily campaigning for right now. And the latest out of this New York charade court is that the judge actually issued a gag order against Donald Trump going forward. He said he did it because of safety for his staff that Trump took to social media and attacked his his clerk and so forth. But words don't do anything but cause hurt feelings. Okay, words are not the same as a physical attack. And Trump is campaigning for president. He has the right to defend himself and clarify to his support base what's taking place in court when as this case goes forward. And now the judge has just stripped him of that right. So talk to me about these these, uh, fraud charges in New York about his his business practices. Uh, It seems like they want to, you know, they they tried to uh, indict him. uh, And, you know, of course, in in uh, Fulton County, that that mugshot, of course, just was like the mugshot seen around the world. And it it did (laughs) nothing but uh, catapult him even further ahead in the polls. And and uh, uh, the donations went through the roof to his campaign. Um, but now because that's all failing, now they're going after his business empire. It's like they want to just like destroy him financially. What what are they, uh, we're hearing these, you know, trying to appraise the Mar-a-Lago at like $18 million. You couldn't buy the doorknob at Mar-a-Lago for $18 million. (laughs) Yeah, that, that, that's pretty good. Um, and you couldn't. So the gist of these New York charges are that, Letitia James, who is a George Soros uh, funded, tied to Soros money, uh, funded district attorney, uh, 
or attorney general is has brought charges against Trump, alleging fraud in his business practices related to overinflating uh, his revenues and the valuations of his properties and so forth. And then he would use those supposed alleged overinflated values to do uh, favorable business. Uh, and so now this court, which is a bench trial, which is interesting in itself, because, of course, we have a jury system here in America and a bench trial is usually when the defendant wants to uh, rush through and get a speedy trial instead of sitting in jail waiting for the court dockets to clear. The defendant will give up his or her right to a trial by jury and just allow the judge to make a decision on guilt or innocence. And then that same judge to, to go forward and impose uh, a punishment or a consequence. Well, this bench trial is for Donald Trump, the same judge that has found him guilty of fraud is now in the position of first issuing a gag order and now uh, going forward with determining a suitable punishment for Trump. And so you touch on something that is wildly ridiculous, the $18 million valuation that this judge determined uh, was right and proper for Mar-a-Lago. Most estimates put at minimum Mar-a-Lago right now valued at least at three to four hundred million, possibly more. And it depends. There, there's a difference between appraised value, which a county government official does, and market value, which put, puts, uh, you know, the free market at work and depends on how many people want to live in that home, how many people want to buy it, and, and they bid it, and that can drive up the cost. So going by an appraised value in itself is really undercutting values. And I think this judge did it because he just wanted something shocking in the headlines to to go after Trump for. So, as you point out in your in your column uh, today, uh, this is just a complete circus. What's happening? Uh, isn't I mean, does the Supreme Court have any power here to, you know, just say enough is enough? This is ridiculous. This is just uh, like malicious prosecution. Well, there, there likely will be an appeals process, right? The fact that the judge initially threw out some of the case because the statute of limitations had come into play and Letitia James was bringing up things that long ago should have gone to court and it's too late to bring him to court now. So he threw out some. So that gave MAGA supporters and Trump supporters and conservatives some hope that perhaps this judge was going to rule in an unbiased manner. And then he came out and he brought forward with the gag order. And now it's back to wondering, this liberal judge, is his liberal bias going to get in the way? So chances are, if the ruling comes down against Donald Trump in any way, shape or form, that the Trump legal team will exercise its right and go forward with an appeals process. Cheryl, always appreciate your input. Thank you. Fantastic columns. Thank you so much. Cheryl Chumley, online opinion editor, commentary writer, and host of the Bold and Blunt podcast for The Washington Times. All right, let's open up the phone lines, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. You can call, you can text, and we'll get to those calls and texts when The Richard Serrett Show returns right after this timeout on Saga 960. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga 960 AM. Open the door, Richard. 
The the lines are open. The call-in studio application is now activated, 289-275-9600. But people seem to like to uh, to text instead of calling. Um, So I'll just proceed by reading some more texts here. Um... Amen to that, Richard. Proud to be a Christ follower. This is uh, with reference to my, I guess, my monologue and um, my conversation with Cheryl Chumley of the Washington Times talking about Christian nationalism, which is now considered a, a dirty term. But I, um, as I said, I'm a, 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 a proud follower of Christ. So the uh, text writer here writes, Amen to that, Richard. Proud to be a Christ follower, too, and not ashamed to say so. It must be remembered that government removed God from all institutions and now see the mayhem and wickedness these days. It's increased since they removed God from everywhere. They need to get back to God to try and become civilized and polite again. Someone else uh, texts, Christians are associated with being white. That is why they see uh, as the problem. All right. 289-275-9600, Someone else here texts, Good afternoon, Richard, regarding the criminal activity from those who believe they are above the law. Nos populi will now hold our justice to the damn charlatans who did commit murder and manslaughter on the people. Crimes against humanity. He then named some names, which I will not. Uh, and then mentions uh, Patrick Phillips for heading up the people's revolt against government and corruption, lies and min- misinformation. Patrick Phillips, uh, a doctor, I believe, stripped of his medical license here in Ontario by the uh, College of Physicians and Surgeons. And Patrick Phillips was uh, early on a regular contributor to the program when we were in the midst of uh, COVID uh, and the pandemic. And he was pointing out some things um, which turned out to be true. And uh, the first thing the college did was to strip him of his ability to write exemption, medical exemption letters for people. And he was talking about seeing incidents of blood clots, I believe, and uh, and myocarditis and periocarditis very early on. And when he tried to report this using the, well, we don't have VAERS up here, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting uh, system. I don't know what what we call it up here, but I've been told repeatedly, and Dr. Patrick Phillips mentioned this as well, that our reporting system for physicians is is not transparent at all. It's very convoluted and complicated, and um, he he tried to bring this issue of myocarditis, pericarditis to to uh, to the attention of. Um, I guess the government, and they denied him the ability to uh, to do this. They said, "Stop, stop with this! Uh, you know, writing these exemption letters. We forbid it." So um, he was exonerated. He was exonerated, not by the college. They stripped him of his medical license. He was exonerated by the facts when he was calling attention, when he was sounding the alarms about myocarditis. And we now know that that's true. 
289-275-9600-289-275-9600 is the number to call. People are not in a chatty mood today. Anonymous, I can, he never lets me down. Anonymous has once again answered the call. Anonymous, welcome. How are you? How did you know that? How did I know that? Well, it's right up yeah. here on my screen. Oh, I see. <laughs> because I didn't say a word, you know. It was just a no number and no, no word, but you knew it. Well, I guess that's well, you were right as usual. Uh, Richard, I'm going to tell you like this. Uh, I have uh, more comfortable, uh, I would feel more comfortable if I talked to you off the air, this thing. But I, I, what I wanted to say a few words, Jesus said, my coming will be as the light uh, of sun rising in the east and coming to to the west. So that's one one would be the explanation. I'm not going to say anything right now about more, more than that, but I would like to talk with you because it's a sensitive issue. I, I will not comfortable right now. Can you please call me? Uh, well, I whenever. can't do that. I, well, Anonymous, as a, I'm sure you can imagine, uh, I mean, I, I pour all of my heart and soul and my blood and my sweat into this show, and I can't do I can't do what I do on the air for you know in, independent listeners off the air. Um, I mean, this is this is what the forum is. I mean, you could send me an email, um, but I just I'm, I just don't have time, uh, you know, to to get into one on one conversations uh, about what I talk about on the air. But I would encourage you to to uh, to send me an email and you can do that through the website. Just go to therichardserrettshow.com and there's a contact page and you can send me a lengthy email if you'd like and and um um but if it's not possible, let's say if it isn't possible, you just can't uh like I'd like to speak with you because I I think that would be because I requested this before but I I I, you I just don't me. have time. It's I I get right? I have lots of people emailing me saying can you call me? Can you call me? Can you call me? But I can't. Uh-huh. I just don't have time anonymous and I'm sorry but that's just that's just yeah. the reality. I do respect you. Richard, I do respect you. You seem to be like uh, somebody who's a very enlightened person and I'd like to before I do anything I I like to talk to somebody in private before I make it public. You understand? This is something important for me and a person like yourself. I, send I, me an email. I, I, uh, send I me an email. Yeah, send me an email, Anonymous. Go to the website, therichardserrettshow.com, and there's a contact page there, and uh, um, and I'll have a look at it. But I can't. I uh, I get dozens and dozens of, of people every day emailing. Please call me. I'd like to talk about this. I'd like to talk about that. Well, that's why I do a talk show live on the air. Uh, I can't do the talk show one-on-one with hundreds of people every day. But thank you, Anonymous. I always appreciate you uh, calling in. We don't always agree, but uh, that's that's okay. That's all right. I'm not going to cancel you. That's the difference between me and people on the left. They would like to criminalize a difference of opinion. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about the Online Streaming Act Chris Sims, Alberta Director at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, joins me when The Richard Serrett Show continues after this timeout. Just having a little chin wag on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. All right, welcome back. So uh, we're going to continue to hammer away at this story. It's important. It's an important story, this uh, online streaming act. And listen, I, I know what the liberals are up to. I know how they work. The left, 
generally. They think long-term, and it's all about utilizing something called gradualism. And I've talked about this before. They ask for the moon, and then we conservatives, because we're civil and we're decent, we negotiate. We negotiate with the left. And maybe we'll meet them halfway, and then we walk away and we say, ah, we only gave them half of what they wanted. Well, they're delighted with that. Because in five years, they come back and they ask for the moon again, and then we meet them halfway. And before you know it, after 20, 25 years, they got the moon. We gave it away. That's called gradualism, and they think long term, sometimes like 25, 50, 100 years even. The communists think in 100-year strategies. So that's really, I think, the principle with this online streaming act. Right now, in all honesty, and and perhaps uh, Chris Sims from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation will disabuse me of this, but I'm not that worried about it because I think in two years' time, hopefully less, a new broom will come in and sweep uh, sweep everything clean, and Pierre Polyev is already on the record as saying he'll get rid of the online streaming act, and, and uh, I guess I'm, I'm going to be maybe naive and, and say that he's good to his word. But let's get into this. Uh, online streaming act, which will require all online services with audio or video content, including social media. Uh, and they have to meet a, a, a revenue threshold in Canada of $10 million. They'll have to register with the the, uh, the CRTC by November the 28th. That's it in a nutshell. Chris Sims, again, Alberta director at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, is uh, here. Hey, Chris, how are you? Uh, thanks so much for talking to us about this. It's super important. Uh, so I'm a, I have a podcast, uh, which is totally separate from what I'm doing on this program, although this show has a podcast iteration as well. Mm-hmm. Um, should I, you know, should I, I'm not that concerned yet, although in principle, I think what they're doing is odious. Am I wrong not to be that concerned yet? Well, well. It depends on what your tolerance level for nervousness is. Uh, over the last three years, all of the nonsense everybody's been put through, I wouldn't blame you for trying to say, you know what, <laughs> I'm going to just dial this one back and sit it out. Um, I'm pretty concerned about this. Uh, the CTF is pretty concerned about this. And the reason why the Taxpayers Federation is getting in on a free expression issue and freedom to see and share what you want on the Internet is because if we don't have freedom of expression, as our American cousins call it, freedom of speech, uh, you can't hold the government to account like at all. Good luck. You can't do it. So that is one of our fundamental uh, mandates is accountable government, which is why we are tagging in on this fight. And if you read the letter of the document, as you were pointing out, which was released on a Friday afternoon before a government long weekend. uh, (laughs) Yes, it was right, because a lot Mm -hmm. of the federal employees had their Monday off. So they put it out and they gave a deadline of November 28th. And in business terms, like that's tomorrow, right? That's really, really close. Our concern here is a few things. Uh, one at the very bottom under quick facts, it says online services that offer podcasts must register. That wasn't really highlighted a lot during the debate of C11. And a lot of people are, I think, misunderstanding this by saying, oh, well, my little podcast doesn't take in $10 million. No, no. The way this is worded, it's the company hosting your podcast. That like has Spotify. To make, 
Boom. Like Spotify. Or yeah. YouTube or Apple. All of those big players, they're big dogs. <laughs> they they take in more than $10 million and they're hosting your podcast. And now just picture it. Use Bill C-18 as an example. Bill C-18 was when the federal government said, OK, Facebook, Google, all the rest of you. Anytime you get a link to a news organization posted on your platform, you have to pay the media. Facebook said, no, thanks. No more posting any media stories, period. That's why if you're in Canada and you try to post a link to a news story, you can't do it. Right. So this is the thinking. OK, so say you have a big a big company that is hosting your podcast. You're this little old Canadian podcast. Aren't you cute? But a lot of Canadians really love listening to you and they find it really important. Why would that company bother registering with the CRTC, being regulated by the Trudeau government, and then answering all the billion follow-up questions you can probably imagine and anticipate. There's a good chance they could just say, you know what? This is not worth the headache. Bye-bye podcast. Well, if they don't register, and let's say they have, let's say Spotify has, I don't know, uh, 75,000 Canadian podcasters. Mm -hmm. They don't register. What happens? Great question. Uh, is the Canadian government is somehow going to, what is the term, geoblock all of these podcasts from being heard in Canada? I don't, I don't Great. understand the mechanism. Great question. This is exactly what I asked the minister. I think I asked yesterday uh, saying, okay, uh, let's call bluffs here and see what happens. Let's play what if. What if these companies, say Spotify, said, no, we're not registering with the CRTC. What then? And they haven't answered. There's no what then part. And like you said, are they just going to block it? Can they do that if it's Spotify? Is there more? I don't know. I'm not a tech expert. Is there more of a narrow signal that Spotify hosts that the government could do that? I doubt it. They can't even run a passport office. So we're getting into some pretty troubled territory here. And the reason why this is important, okay, is because the CRTC is part of the federal government. The CRTC is currently what regulates mainstream broadcasters, so like Global or CTV or whatever. And they're all regulated through that. What the government is trying to do is trying to take the more, I would say, free speech embracing open internet newscasts and alternative media and funnel them through that same channel of regulation as the CRTC. And I think folks would be naive if they don't think that that could run into some political situations where you either can't find the stuff you want to watch because for political reasons, or they get into loggerheads with whatever podcast it happens to be for the same political reasons. I used to work at Sun News Network. Right. Right. Yes. We, it got yes. shut down. Largely yes. No more mandatory carriage. Right. Correct. No. Correct. So I've literally sat in on that stuff. So this is this is not a drill. Uh, we think folks should be concerned. Don't panic and freak out, but they should be concerned. And we would strongly recommend that they they email and phone their member of parliament and say, folks, this is a voting issue for me. I'm all for that. Uh, Chris, we'll take a quick time. I'll come back and discuss further. Okay. Chris Sims, Alberta director at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Back with more of our conversation after this time out. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM.
Welcome back. Chris Sims is with us from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. We're talking about the online streaming act that the CRTC has implemented. Social media streaming services uh, must register with the CRTC by November 28th. So the um, these platforms will have to give the CRTC their name, address, contact information, the location where they're incorporated, and where their head office is. And then, this one kind of confuses me, Chris, the broadcasting services offered by the online undertaking. Uh, the CRTC wants to know the broadcasting services. Well, it's mm-hmm. not broadcasting. It's online. It's... This is not broadcasting. The broadcasting services offered by their online undertaking. Can you make head or tails on that? Why would they call it broadcasting? We're talking about yeah, digital streaming exactly, online. Which, which is supposed to be infinite, right? Because we're on the internet instead of, you know, tuning in on your dial, which how, which is how all those regulations started back in the day. Yeah, they're using um, antiquated language because they're a dinosaur, the CRTC. They're a dinosaur. They, you nailed it. Um I can't speak for them, but what I think they meant by that is probably, uh, are you just uh, a repository of recorded podcasts or do you live stream? So YouTube can live stream, Facebook can live stream. I'm sure other services can live stream, but there's others where you just simply listen to it on your phone uh, or your computer. That's a, like a library of podcasts. They probably, that's my guess. Here's another element that really concerned me. It's in the two, three, third paragraph down. It says these conditions take effect today and require certain online streaming services to provide the CRTC with information related to their content and subscribership. Oh, yes. Yikes. So say do a thought process, say, you know, YouTube, say you listen to and watch stuff on YouTube all the time. Are they saying they want to know who is subscribed to YouTube and what about who is subscribed to YouTube. Are they going to find out how you curate your playlist and whether or not there's enough Celine Dion and maple syrup in that? Because keep in mind, Richard, this was all brought in under the Trojan Canadian goose of this is all for Canadian content. Yeah, right. Um, this, this is really concerning because it has the potential and the power to limit free expression, but that, that comment about subscribers. Yeah, that is chilling. Am I going to call, am I going to get a call at three in the morning for the RCMP saying, we happen to notice that you watched an Andrew Tate video on YouTube. This is a concern. Like what, why do they want to know? Why do they want to know what Canadians are watching? We have to also keep in mind that they might, I can hear them jumping to the other foot right now of, well, if you're not doing anything wrong, who cares? Okay, number one, that's a misnomer and it invades privacy. But number two, this is not about the criminal code. Okay, if you are advocating something heinous like terrorism or the abuse of children, if you get catch my drift, Hmm, we have um, laws. Yeah. Exactly. There are laws against that already. If you want to strengthen them, go for it. Go contact the Justice Ministry. C11 did not come through the Minister of Justice or the Attorney General. It came through heritage. This is supposed to be about culture and the CRTC. 
So don't let anybody try to conflate those two things for you if you start getting into this. Right. Although it's interesting, uh, aren't um, platforms like Pornhub exempt? (laughs) I think they didn't get their exemption. I think they tried to get an exemption and that they failed to get an exemption. Uh, I have uh, a friend who's a lawyer who doesn't work with CTF anymore, uh, but she mentioned that. So I'm not sure how that ruling went. Keep in mind, as as crazy as that sounds, um, this is part of what the CRTC tries to do. They try to, um, I'm picking my words carefully based on the topic, they try to include Canadian content in pretty much everything. Mm. And apparently they also want to do that with the adult online film industry. So, um let me just uh, crib here as well uh, from yeah. a, an article. The commission's objectives, that's the CRTC, their objectives in regard to collecting the information include being able to contact those undertakings that have registered, keeping track of online undertakings operating in Canada and gathering basic but essential information to better understand the Canadian online broadcast. They use that term again, broadcasting mm-hmm. landscape more generally. That's very vague. Um, so, what do they intend on doing or that they're going to contact, let's say, uh, Spotify, you know, actually registers. What are they going to do? They're going to find out what Canadian podcasters using Spotify's platform, what they're up to, what is what content. I mean, how are they possibly yeah, and, and going to manage that? This is it. OK, so the federal government does not have the competence or the bandwidth to run a passport office like a lot of what they try to do, they do terribly. Like you wouldn't, you know, hire them to organize a two car parade in exactly. most cases. Um, how they are going to somehow manage and incorporate and regulate the content or even <laughs> the schedule of podcasts that are offered and platformed on these post, you know, plus $10 million platforms. I don't know how they're thinking that they're going to try this. And there's also the question of this, because we don't know, because the language in C11 is vague, which is why so many people were concerned about it. Keep in mind that I think, how did Margaret Atwood put it? She said, I can't, I don't want to paraphrase her. I think she called it creeping authoritarianism. Mm -hmm. Like, so this is not a right or left issue. This is a, does the government control what you can see here and share online or not? Based on the vague language in both this notice from Friday and the C-11 language, the question now is also, so two things. One, what happens if the company doesn't register? What happens then? And two, how do we know this is just Canadian podcasts? Like Mm. Joe Rogan is a super popular podcaster. People like listening to him, including in Canada. Yeah, he's now the mainstream media. So does he need to make sure that 15% of the time he talks about, I don't know, moose hunting and hockey (laughs) in order to be broadcast in Canada? Excellent points. Uh, I mean, I I think the intent is odious uh, and and horrible. And but I am somewhat confident, maybe naively so, um, that this is just going to be. And an, an immense cock up once again by the federal government. They won't be able to do this, manage it. And hopefully uh, it'll be just completely obliterated when Pierre Polyev 
um, forms the next government. Well, However, very quick, very quickly. That, yeah. On that note, sorry to interrupt. What happens if this all goes through quickly and we don't have alternative media or independent media on the Internet leading up to the next election? That's a legitimate concern as well. That's why I brought you on, Chris, to uh, to smarten me up. Uh, <laughs> give us a call to action. Are, are, are we going to um, are we going to do a petition? Are we going to just call, encourage people to call their MPs? So uh, this is a long rolling campaign because it's a big fight. Uh, what I would encourage them to do right now, because they're sitting, they're sitting this week. OK, and they have next week off phone and email your member of parliament and don't just complain. Do complain. Say, scrap all the elements of C-11. I don't approve of any of this. Left or right, I don't care. It needs to be free expression. But say this. Say, this is a voting issue for me. And if you don't do this, I'm going to organize a group of 10 friends and door knock against you next election. That'll get their attention. That's great. This is a voting issue for me. If you don't do this, I'm going to get 10 friends. We're going to do a door knocking campaign against you. Yep. That's wonderful. Chris, thank you so much. Hang in there. Chris Sims, Alberta Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. All right, that's it for me. My thanks to Jody and Jacob. I'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again. God willing. Christian nationalist. That's the way a Christian nationalist would speak. I will speak with you at 4 p.m. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM.